It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin here, recording on a Sunday. You're listening on a Monday following a win, which is always better than, than the, the previous week where, where we had to sit down and rewatch and record after a loss for the first time all season. Luckily, we're back on the winning side, taking down Maryland by a final score of 40 to 21. Uh, which was notable if you were betting the over-under for this game, as I was. Uh, but yeah, we're, we are victorious here on a Sunday, which is always a good feeling. Scott, coming out of this weekend, how are we doing? Doing great. We're sitting on the doorstep of a 10-win season. Hard to believe. We're 9-1. and one. That just sounds awesome. Um, and uh, obviously, we know what's coming. But for today, we're going to try to focus on what's already been done, specifically what was done this weekend. A great game, kind of had an anticlimactic finish, got up big, and then just kind of uh, kept the ship steady, which is to be expected. But um, didn't I don't know? It, it was a very resounding win that when I was done watching, didn't feel like particularly strong, but we took care of business um, and. I don't think it's going to hurt us in terms of how our, how the committee sees us or anything like that. Um, obviously it's great for the standings, took care of business. It's a game we wanted to win. We didn't, you know, didn't want to fall into a trap in a game like this. And, and we, and we didn't. So feeling good, uh, obviously a little anxious for what's to come, but in general, great weekend of football, low stress. We haven't had a lot of low stress games lately and this one certainly was so uh, feeling good. Yeah, it was kind of back in our comfort zone, right? We we get out to an early lead and just kind of cruise from there. There was a couple spots where it got a little sticky, but we'll we'll get to that. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a good weekend. I was in the mountains all weekend doing some hiking. It was fantastic. I'm back home here after uh, suffering through a little bit more traffic than I would have liked. But uh, yeah, we're here. We're we're ready. And I I want to start this with a, an interesting conversation before we get to the actual game itself. I want to start with something off the field, and and we kind of chatted about this a little bit offline, where there's there's two things that are are tied together here, and and one was the Mel Tucker rumors reports, depending on how you feel about journalistic integrity and and what's going on behind the scenes there, but. Everybody knows what I'm talking about by now that that Mel Tucker has supposedly, you know, verbally agreed or however you want to frame it uh, to a contract extension with Michigan State after, you know, the rumors swirling around LSU and, and some of these jobs that are open. And in addition, 
there was uh, yesterday at some point in the day, saw the tweet come across the timeline that there was a $10 million donation announced to the MSU football facilities. And, you know, my brother actually brought this up to me and it was just kind of a thought that I think most Michigan state fans, we've kind of, we've kind of accepted where we are in the grand scheme of things. We have a national championship contending basketball program, as long as Tom Izzo is there. And on the football side, we have a, a program who's, who's pretty well established who has some good history, who has nice facilities, who has a nice stadium uh, and, and can go out and win a big 10 once every five, 10 years and probably aren't going to be competing for national championships, but that's okay. We've, we've kind of, I think as a fan base accepted our, our place in the hierarchy of college football. And, you know, we, we just kind of toying around with this idea in my head of like, what if the multiple billionaires that went to Michigan state decide we want to see our football team win a national championship. What if the, the largest living alumni base in the country or whatever the stat is decides we want it like Oregon. I, you know, I want to make any direct comparisons, but Oregon pre Phil Knight deciding that he wants hundreds of millions of dollars funneled through the Oregon athletic program uh, was not nearly as strong of an athletic program as as what michigan state is right now so we have a solid base here and if some of these billionaires start stepping up as they have over the last six ten months this this could get really interesting i don't know like i i don't know where this conversation is scott but i don't like have you really thought about that a whole lot i mean more under mel tucker than ever before but i i don't think i've really given it an honest chance to uh you know to really think it through um and it's uncharted territory i i don't i don't pay too close attention to how much money you know each program has coming into it we obviously we kind of know the big programs you've got your alabamas your lsus your uscs your texases where you know they've got boosters i don't know you know how much or where they rank against each other but they were always had more than michigan state right um but it certainly it, it would take a lot of barriers, you know, away from the recruiting budget or the ability to hire analysts off the field analysts and, and all these kind of, I don't want to say backdoor, but behind closed doors, things that top programs are able to do with more money. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting thought and I, I don't want to speculate too much. Cause it's, it's like I said, it's uncharted territory and it, it would just be speculation, but with what we're hearing now, it's putting us in a position to start climbing that ladder. I don't know what it would take to really put us in the elite booster kind of money area, but, um, but this is exciting. And, you know, I, I'm trying to keep myself as far as Mel Tucker extension talks go, I'm trying to keep myself um, kind of hesitant to accept it until it's officially announced. I think that's always smart, but this facility upgrade announcement, I think, is is probably the best piece of news we could be hearing in terms of just being confident that Mel Tucker is going to be sticking around. To me, this this sounds like, you know, Mel Tucker's name is getting a lot of buzz. Obviously, the people within the program are not um, ignorant of that fact. And they've started talking. And Mel Tucker said, listen, I want to be here. You're going to give me more money. 
that's just an understanding at this point. I'm going to get a raise, but I need to be working with the best tools available. Right. Um, and we need to be competing nationally against these other teams in terms of what our programs have at our disposal. Um, all of a sudden, a $10 million facility upgrade just falls from the sky. That's not a coincidence. That's Mel Tucker <laughs> saying, listen, I want to be here but you guys have to make it worth my while because LSU is knocking and they've got a hell of a football facility. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I think when people hear contract extensions and stuff, the, the common fan and, and it, it just comes to like, okay, well he wants to get paid more. Mel Tucker is, I think part of this comes back to the fact that he was a defensive coordinator at Georgia when they were playing for a national title he was with Alabama, with Nick Saban at Alabama. He was with Nick Saban at LSU. He knows exactly what is going into those national championships. Like he knows the army of analysts and assistants. And, you know, we were kind of joking about it before we hit record, but like Alabama almost literally has enough analysts and film jockeys that basically they can take one guy and say, okay, hey, your job this week is to watch defensive end number five for the whole, his entire college career. I want to know everything he does. I want to know everything he does. Well, I want to know everything he does poorly. Your job this whole week is to watch that guy. And they have enough people on salary that they can do that kind of stuff. And, and Mel Tucker from day one, this was part of his thing. When, when we came to him with the first offer he rejected and we came back with the second offer that he accepted part of the deal was that increased pool for assistant coaches and, and everything that goes into this. And I think from his background, he understands what it takes to win. And it's not just a higher head coach salary. So when you hear this stuff about Mel Tucker wanting an extension and, and wanting more resources for the football program, I, I think he understands what it takes. And to your point, like you, you kind of mentioned, we hadn't really thought about this before Mel Tucker, because I I'm not saying this in any way to demean Mark D'Antonio, but he, his philosophy was just a whole lot different. It was, it was very regional. It was very, we're going to win our conference. We're going to go to the Rose bowl. Um, and he was another guy who worked under Nick Saban, but just had different philosophies in different parts. Mel Tucker has a whole different perspective on, on what this thing is supposed to look like. So I think that that is really interesting when we think about like, what is the ceiling for the program? If the boosters decide to chip in and if, you know, the recruiting budget and Mel Tucker gets his private plane to go wherever he wants on visits and where, where could this thing go? It's, it's fascinating. And it's a door that just has kind of peaked open the last couple weeks here that in my brain that I've started to think about maybe we could win a national title sometime in my lifetime here I'm not, I'm not asking for too much but um it's it's really interesting I don't know I wanted to start that off before we got into like the actual football on the field Saturday afternoon stuff yeah it's exciting I think um it's it's hard not to start expecting the the extension for Mel Tucker. I mean, with this kind of thing dropping, this is concrete, right? Rumors are rumors, but this is concrete. And it would be really hard to ask a donor to donate $10 million to a football program when that donor doesn't feel confident that the coach who is currently building the momentum isn't going to be around. So I think there's some commitments going on behind closed doors. I think it's great news. Um, again, 
don't get your hopes all the way up until something's actually official. But I think things are certainly trending in the right direction, which is exciting. I think making that announcement at the right time could be a great boost for recruiting where you can go back to all those recruits and say, listen, I know my name was in the news a lot for other jobs, but I'm, I'm going to be here and, uh, and we're building something. So it's really exciting. Um, speaking of Mel Tucker and last night's game uh, for the folks listening a couple nights ago, but uh, the Maryland game, he has come out now uh, after the game. He tweeted and he he put the students on blast. Um, and he said, we need you guys sticking around at these games. Kevin, we both went to Michigan State. We had season tickets. We gritted out some cold games and we left some cold games. Um, night like last night, game is in hand basically the whole second half. Um, where do you where do you fall on this? Like students shouldn't be leaving. Fans shouldn't be leaving kind of um Yeah, I so I think two things can be true at the same time that students should be sticking around a little bit longer and that at times East Lansing is a miserable place to be outside like those two things can be mutually exclusively true. Uh, The thing I, I have a very simple, very easy, very digestible system when it comes to is it okay for you to leave? Yes or no. Is there precipitation? Yes, you can leave. No, stick around. Because if it's cold and wet, I I don't blame a single person on the face of the planet for leaving because that is miserable. There is no worse feeling than being cold and wet. But if it's just cold, like it was last night, like you had the ticket, you're, you're going. I know as a student, that it feels like every Saturday night you have to be at this party. You have to do this. I'll be the first to say, I don't know how many students are listening to this right now. There are a lot of Saturday nights in college. There are not a whole lot of home football games in college. When you, you do the math, it it pretty simply adds up. Uh, How many Saturdays are there in four years and how many home football games are there in four years? So if it's just cold, stick around. If it's cold and raining, I don't blame you for leaving. That's, that's my simple formula. Yeah. Look, I empathize um, with the students and it's, it's tough to stick it out sometimes when you're cold, especially if you were tailgating in the middle of the day and you're not dressed to be standing around at 7 PM in, in the cold. Um, and it's, it's different for students and for fans, right? Cause fans who are there, they plan their whole weekend around going to the game students. Like their dorm room is like, 10 minute walk away and it's warm and there's a hot shower waiting for them. And maybe their friends already dragged them in and said, Hey, come on, you got the ticket. Just come to the game. They're like, fine. It's hard to keep people like that around. And let's face it. Not every one of the 70,000 people who come to Spartan stadium for a home game is as big a Spartan fan as me, you Mel Tucker or whoever else is firing off hot takes on Twitter. So there's a lot of dynamics here. That said, I can not blame Mel Tucker for wanting the folks to stick around. It's, it's a different atmosphere when you've got, you know, 65,000 people on their feet screaming versus 25, 30,000 people, half of them, you know, making some noise. Um, That being said, if it's the fourth quarter and you're up three scores, I think you can leave. But I think, like you said, if, if, if there's not some extenuating circumstance, like some, some rain or snow or whatever it is, that's really pushing you out, at least stay till the end of the third. 
I mean, half a football game, you hardly even got there for the good part. Um, so that's my stance. If it's the fourth quarter and it's in hand, I'm not going to be screeching at anybody, but if you're leaving like at halftime, uh, and it's not raining or anything, I mean, come on. Um, yeah, but I, I am, I was glad to your point to see Mel Tucker, the MSU football account on Twitter. They were putting this kids on blast. They were roasted. The, the MSU football account tweeted something like, you know, cold is only a state of mind. See you in two weeks or whatever, which, which I loved, like, you know, give the students some grief for it. Like put them on blast in public. I, I, I like that. I, I think it was, you know, we were kind of talking Mark D'Antonio. He was very politician. Like when, when there were obvious situations where people were leaving, you know, you would just say something like, ah, you know, for, for everybody who stayed, we appreciate you or something. They're, they're taking a little different approach here. I, I don't mind it. I like it. Yeah, we'll see. Um, Thanksgiving weekend is going to be really hard to get folks in for. I mean, it's a holiday weekend. I, I know I went home quite a few times for that weekend. It's tough when that's your home game. It's always nice when it's a, it's a road game um, because it's so hard to get fans out for it. But we'll see. It should be a pretty strong matchup. I mean, Penn State's not going to be ranked. They have four or five losses now. But, um, but it's still Penn State. It's senior night, senior day, whatever. Um, so we'll see what the turnout's like. Um, but anyway, that's, uh, everything non game yeah. <laughs> directly game related. I think so we'll, we'll get, cover. Yeah. We'll get to the game here before we do, uh, a couple messages here that are very important. Number one, if you have not shared this podcast with a friend, I, I don't know what you're doing at this point. We're, we're winding down here. We got two more regular season games to play. Uh, and we will be going the entire off season with MSU football content. So please share the podcast with a friend, subscribe. If you haven't already, make sure you are uh, following on, on Spotify. If you're listening there. And if you have a couple moments of spare time, it takes about eight seconds to leave an Apple podcast review. We would appreciate that. And from our friends here, we, we have a very important message uh, because the NFL is is on to another week and DraftKings is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers who bet just $1 on either team to score can win $100 in free bets. I know it's Monday as you're listening, there's still Monday night football. If the sports book isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving away all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we are a proud member. Bet just $1 on either team to score, and you win $100 in free bets. They score, you score. DraftKings uh, with promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. I got it all in one breath. Uh, that's I think that's a new record for me. Uh, let's get to this game, though. It's it's uh, enough of the off-field stuff. We've, we've spent enough time on that. And we have a hell of a football game to talk about. Like I said, final score, Michigan State 40, Maryland 21. Uh, at times, it felt like as big of a blowout as the score would indicate. At times, it felt a little bit closer. Uh, Scott, where do you want to start here? Offense, defense, special teams, where are we going? Let's start on the defense. Let's talk about what we were most worried about. 
right? So coming into this game, we had just gotten dissected by Aiden O'Connell in the Purdue offense. Um, and the biggest concern coming into this one is Maryland wants to throw the ball a hundred times. How are we going to stop it? And to Scotty Hazleton's credit, um, there were shaky moments in this game, but he did a lot that we hadn't really seen much of previously to make sure we didn't get burned. Uh, Talia Tagovailoa is susceptible to pressure in his face and we gave it to him. Uh, there were multiple sellout blitzes and a lot we did to make sure our zone defense didn't just get torn up. And, and we saw the opposite uh, late in the second quarter. Um, we went into prevent. There was like a minute and a half ish left. Maryland gets the ball after we punt. And I think it took them four plays to go down against zone defense. They had that long um, crossing route uh, to the tight end. That was an easy touchdown. And that's what happened when we took our kind of foot off the gas on defense. The commentators in the second half were doing a good job, you know, bringing it up that we started playing downhill uh, on defense and it was working really well for us. And so Kevin, anything scheme wise that you saw that, that made this game feel significantly different on the defensive side? Not particularly. Uh, I, I think I like what Scotty Hazleton did in, in bringing pressure. Like you mentioned, I think some of it, I saw people on Twitter, like, why don't we just blitz more? Like you, you can't just blitz every play, <laughs> but and the blitzes we did use got home. Noah Harvey to his credit. He, he is, he has a knack for that a gap blitz. He just, whether it's the timing or just kind of reading that, that interior offensive line and knowing which shoulder to come off of, or I I don't know what it is. That's one thing that he's really good at. It just seems like every time he's blitzing through the a gap, he's at least forcing a hurry or getting home. Uh, So, so to his credit there, but uh, the defense as a whole, look like, it's tough to really criticize it too much because they're so banged up, man. Like we know what's going on with these corners. Uh, the, the the depth chart is just in a in a bad spot. I mean, everybody that's playing is playing hurt, and and we have key guys who aren't available to play. The defensive line is starting to suffer some injuries. Quaver's Crouch was out today, which made an impact at times. Cal Holiday's out there playing with a club on his hand. Like it's it's been a tough go the last couple of weeks, and and I gotta at least start with that context involved because I, it's easy to just say our defense sucks right now but the personnel we have available it's it's a tough task that said there were still a couple times that were really worrying and and the one you kind of mentioned it there like it was uh the second quarter of this game and it was just uh a position where the way I framed it in, in my kind of notes was great teams don't allow this to happen. And it was the, the touchdown that Maryland had right before the end of the first half, Michigan state was up uh, at that point, what 26 to 13, something like that. Uh, And it was just a, a position where your Maryland gets the ball to start the second half. And you, you had almost put the dagger in them in the first half. You almost just put this game away at halftime and just coasted through the second half. But then you allow Maryland to go down and get a touchdown. And if, if they would have scored to start the second half in the third quarter, that's a one score ball game. All of a sudden it, it, with now, but it's, it's just great teams 
don't allow that quick strike drive to happen. And so there, there are still certain positions that this team, this defense specifically is putting ourselves in that you would just like to see a different result. How do we get to that result? I think it's difficult because again, just the, the personnel available to us, it, it puts us in a really bad spot when we have to play a guy like Noah Harvey, who again, to his credit played pretty well throughout the course of that game, a, a lot better than he did at stretches of times last year, but you have banged up corners who are playing at probably 50, 60% out there. You have young guys without a whole lot of experience. You have guys who just aren't equipped to be playing in those positions. You have Simeon Barrow was out. Maverick Hansen gets ejected for, I think, a, a terrible call to kick him out of the game. And then all of a sudden our defensive tackle depth is really questionable. It, it was just, we're putting ourselves in bad spots by our play on the field but we, we have to account the personnel that we have available right now as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's late season, big 10 football, right? Um, they've been playing really physical. And if anything, this team's been playing more physical than ever. I know uh, Mark D'Antonio was definitely a staple in his teams, but I think under Mel Tucker, these teams have taken even a step up from D'Antonio era in terms of their physicality. And unfortunately that means they're playing with more energy and it's causing some things to go wrong. Um, in terms of injuries and uh, it's it's a tough position to be in especially when a lot of the injuries are at a position that um, we don't have a lot of depth and maybe we don't have the best results I don't know I'm not putting that on individuals but just the defense hasn't come around as much in the secondary as it has in other areas and that's where a lot of our injuries are so it's a tough kind of um, perfect storm of situations for the past defense, but, uh, but they did what they needed to, to make sure Tagovailoa was uncomfortable pretty much the whole game. And, and it worked out. So, yeah, I mean, you can see defense. him like it for, for all of the problems that our past defenses had and for all the criticisms we had, you could visibly see on your TV screen, Talia Tagovailoa was, frustrated all game long, whether it was the pressure in his face, whether it was, you know, just not being able to make throws because he's running around and trying to make something happen. Like we frustrated the hell out of him. And, and so there, there is something to be said about that. And at, at certain points, our defensive backs played well at certain points, our defensive backs gave up some easy plays to him, but um, he was frustrated. That was, that was pretty easy yeah. to see. So all in all, the wrap-up pass defense did what it needed to do. It wasn't perfect, but it was certainly improved from what we've seen in a couple of previous matchups. Some of that was scheme. Some of that was just guys making plays, um, but it was good to see. And um, on the other side of the defense, in terms of stopping the run, all in all, really good. Let like three to five plays get away from them a little bit. You had the long... Tagovailoa um, QB run. I think it was on a third down. His great play call uh, where he gained the edge and he ran. Justin White nabbed him right before the uh, the end zone. And then there were a couple more where uh, this Boone kid, uh, Penny, Penny Boone, Boone. <laughs> awesome name, uh, just kind of bruised us. I mean, he was he's a big back, a highly touted recruit who just kind of dragged guys down the field a little bit uh, for a couple of runs. There was one he ran right through Darius Snow and Xavier Henderson. If he's if he's doing that, you got to kind of tip your cap. Those yeah, are guys that I just looked it up. Six one two forty five. Like that that guy's rolling downhill at you. It's it, no matter how physical you are, if you're out 
if I mean, if he's got 60 pounds on you, like he does with some of these DBs, uh, there's not really much he could do. Yeah. So even with a couple of, a couple of uh, plays that got away from us a little bit, we still only gave up a hundred and one rushing yards on 25 attempts. Some of that sack yardage that, that kept it in check, but in any case, they did what they needed to. We know this defense is good against the run. They continue to do that. We know Maryland's not great on the ground and they continued to look not great. So uh, didn't get burned other than the one long QB run that led to their first touchdown, but all in all did what they needed to, to uh, give this offense a platform to win this game. So on the defensive side, individually, Kevin, um, Anybody stick out? I think it was a pretty good team win, but anybody specifically that stuck out to you? Yeah, like I, I'll give I'll give Noah Harvey his flowers. Yeah, pretty good game. I I tweeted the like Drake meme where it was like back to back plays where you know there's there's the first part of like oh this is bad and it was Noah Harvey's defensive pass interference in the end zone because it was just textbook. This guy is lost in coverage. This is not his comfort zone. And then he picks off a pass on the next play and, and to his credit, it was just kind of right place, right time, but he made the play and he was in position and he was doing his job. So I got to give him credit. He was getting home. Uh, you know, if, if he's forced into some more playing time next week, I very questionable about that, but we'll get to it when the time comes. I thought he played well. Um, Darius snow, another really good game, good in open field. I saw him miss one tackle and I think it was the first missed tackle I've seen from him all year. Um, other than that, I not, not really. I mean, Marquis Lowry, he, he stuck out a couple times to me. He got home a couple times on a corner blitz, uh, again, some just good pressure dialed up by Scotty Hazleton and just right place, right time. Um, but, but again, you, you have to make the play and, and Lowry made the play a couple times. Those were the three guys that really stand out to me right now. Um, it, I think the defensive line struggled at times, but, um, as far as individuals, like you said, it was, it was more of a team performance, I think, this week. Yeah, another guy I'll throw in the mix, uh, Jeff Petrowski, obviously a depth guy at defensive end, um, but he had a couple plays that stuck out. He had a late QB sack, um, which was uh, a big play, obviously, at the time. He was one of the guys who actually got home and didn't just force uh, an intentional grounding, um, which was very frustrating. We should have had about eight sacks. We only had right. four, but... Um, and then he had another play at a really key moment in the game. Uh, Maryland had scored what ended up being their last touchdown midway through the third, kind of early midway through the third quarter. Um, and we got the ball back first play. Tyler Hunt fumbles, terrible time to fumble the ball. I'm sure they'll cover that, but uh, he fumbles it. Maryland gets the ball back in plus territory, two straight first downs, uh, gets it down to our two yard line, first and goal from the two. And I'm, and at this point, I think it was a two touchdown game. We were up like 33 to 21, 34 to 21. And um, they had first and goal at the two. They score this. It's a six point game. And you start getting into that. Oh God, we're wearing our neons. It's going to be a, a terrifying performance, win or lose. We're going to be in it for four quarters. Uh, Jeff Petrovsky. Uh, well, I should say Maryland runs a QB run to the right side. Similar play that, that burned us for the long run earlier in the game to the other side though. Petrovsky pops through the line, tackle for loss, three yards. Next plays an incompletion. Next plays a long uh, intentional grounding that leads to their missed field goal. So you go from first and goal on the two. Petrovsky makes a big play to, to slow their momentum and make it tougher. 
uh, to get in the end zone. They end up with no points. They end up not scoring the rest of the game. I think that was really a key. If there was a moment in this game where it could have turned Harry, I think it was that drive had they punched it in. Uh, he made a big play to turn the tide. So not, not a guy that jumps off the stat sheet every week, um, but seems to have a knack for just a, you know, a key play here and there to really make a difference in these games. And that's the kind of depth guys that it takes to have a special season. So definitely want to shout him out. Obviously a fan favorite being totally undersized, looks like an outside linebacker. Um, but yeah, all in all, like you said, like I said, team win, Everybody seemed to pitch in where we needed it to. Even our quarterback had a tackle. Uh, I say that half (laughs) facetiously, but nice tackle too. Yeah. Um, So yeah, and it it was was, it was, and and you know, kind of getting back to what has been working for us all year. Maryland had three trips to the red zone and scored seven points on them, and it was that red zone roulette, bend but don't break. However, you want to to classify that. Uh, It worked this week, and. Will it work again next week or the week after or the week after that? I don't know, but it worked this week and uh, it's, it's been working at times. It's been frustrating at times, but three trips to the red zone, seven points to show for it. Uh, one horrendous field goal attempt by Maryland helped that out, but uh, it, it was, uh, it was a good team defense performance on the offensive side of the ball. I want to start with our guy, Peyton Thorne, who had himself a hell of a game finished with, 22 for 30, 287 yards, four touchdowns, the one interception, which I, I it's mostly a, a moot point. I, I think it was just that uh, throwing up a Hail Mary before the end of the first half. Uh, to his credit, again, he went got the tackle. But I, I think he had an outstanding performance. He started off hot. He hit seven of his first eight passes. He had two touchdowns in in that stretch. And was just seemingly on cruise control. It was it was the Peyton Thorne, Jaden Reed show again. You know, we we heard about them on the broadcast 15 times, but those two are in lockstep. And when they hit that little back shoulder, it's unstoppable. It is there is no way defense has any answer for that if they're in man coverage, which Maryland was for large chunks of this game. So he was dialed in. He was hitting Jaden Reed. Him and Trey Mosley have developed a little bit of a connection here, which is good to see. And uh, I, th- I thought Peyton Thorne had arguably his best game of the season, if not definitely one of them, and got involved. I, I know you you uh, you didn't write about it in the group chat or anything to, that I noticed, but I, I know you were smiling when uh, we hit that little QB draw early in the game for an easy first down, too. So using his legs, he had a speed option as well. Uh, he, he was all over the field making plays. Uh, just Just a really good performance from Peyton Thorne on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, he started the game 15 to 20 with three touchdowns, um, and, and we largely didn't ask him to do much after that. He only had eight pass attempts in the second half. I mentioned we kind of played prevent for the second half, just did what we needed to. I think the coaches were trying to get Walker some extra stats as his first half was a little underwhelming. But, um, yeah, he was really sharp. First quarter, seven for eight with, I think, two touchdowns. Obviously, had the big bomb to start the game on the flea flicker. I can't believe we're still burning defenses with that play. (laughs) What is that? Four or five touchdowns now. And they all seem to come at the exact same moment in the game on the first or second drive in the first quarter. I mean, if you're in man coverage, right. And you've got a corner on the outside in isolation, you just tell them, listen, you are not involved in the running game at all. Your job is to be in lockstep with your receiver to Montori Foster's credit. He ran an exceptional route on that release. I, I don't think that, 
corner was beat by the the flea flicker. He was just burned flat footed with a great inside move by Foster. But it, I think um, it was though, because I, I don't think enough credits like Foster was just selling that. I mean, he just kind of sat, 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 took off. Yeah. And I, you can just see the defensive backs coach for Maryland. Like they didn't show him, but you, you could feel it just seething knowing how many times he went over that on tape, like guys, they're going to run a flea flicker. Do not lose your guy. And just gets toasted down the field for 50 yards at a touchdown. I, I could feel that anger. Yeah. And it's great to see Montori Foster, obviously filling in for, for Jalen Naylor, uh, kind of fill that role a little bit. He's not Jalen Naylor. We've been over this. He's not as fast. He's not as just refined as a wide receiver, but that's what Jalen Naylor does. And that's what he did. It's great to see him at least trying to fill those shoes and make, I mean, it was his only catch of the day, but it's certainly, I mean, it got us off on the right foot for the whole game, loosened up the whole offense, the whole team knowing, okay, we are better than this team. Just do what we need to do and we'll win it. Um, and, and that certainly helped, but, but yeah, Jaden Reed, I mean, as soon as I saw Maryland, um, I hate the term stacking the box. Cause I think it's a little too, like black and white, but they were committing men to the running game and leaving basically one-on-one with one high safety uh, in the return game or the receiving game. And as soon as I saw Jaden Reed getting one-on-ones, I knew it was going to be a long day for them. Um, And we were talking about this a little bit before we started. That's what the NFL wants to see when you're one-on-one against a corner, beat him and get the ball. Don't just run a good route, beat him, catch the ball, make good catches. Jaden Reed had a great film game, yesterday yeah that that back shoulder where he had to adjust and and it was thrown a little bit too far back if we're looking back shoulder he had to adjust to it made a great play on the ball that was an nfl catch right there that that was a really impressive eight for 114 and two touchdowns was the final line but like you said it was just the way he went about his business was extremely impressive the way he boxed that dude out on the goal line he was hitting third downs key key spots yards after catch the whole package by, by Jaden Reed on, on Saturday, incredible per- performance. Yeah. And uh, outside of that, in the receiving game, Trey Mosley continues to kind of define his role as a possession guy. He was running those underneath crossing routes really well against man, um, making the catches he needed to getting a little bit after the catch four for 52 yards, had a couple key first downs. Uh, Malik Carr had another, he's just not there yet folks uh, in terms of being an all around player, but you can certainly see the potential here and he's going to be an exciting player to watch as his career progresses. I think another off season in the scheme, he's going to be ready to go next year. He had that early tight end bubble screen uh, for a first down, made another guy miss and just looks really good with the ball in his hands. Keon Coleman was out there. Didn't do much, but great to see him moving up the depth chart. Uh, I think he was probably our number four wide receiver, um, in this game. So obviously plenty of folks excited to see him still waiting in the wings for now. How much Um, more like knowing that Jalen Naylor, I shouldn't say knowing that he'll be out, but assuming that he'll probably be out another week as we head to our toughest test of the season, like how much more confidence did you get yesterday from the skill group watching Mosley make a couple plays foster beat a guy deep car with a couple catches like do you feel any more or less confident strictly in that in that position group I'm not talking about winning or losing the game but um well I think you gotta 
take it with a grain of salt. This Maryland defense is not great. And we were playing in a lot of one-on-one man, which we don't see a lot. So it's hard to say they looked a lot better. It was just a different look from the defense that they played well against. Um, And it's hard for me to keep our upcoming opponents out of my head and give you an unbiased take because knowing Ohio State's coming up and on the heels of that, a great Penn State defense, shaky offense, but a great defense coming up. Um, I don't want to put too much credence into this and get my hopes up, but we've got different role players that look like they could have breakout games. I mean, I don't think it'd be surprising to see Malik Carr come out with five catches and 50 plus yards and maybe a score one of these games with, uh, you know, what we've seen here. Um, But all in all, I think the wide receivers, it's still going to be tough just given the competition that's coming up for them to really to break out more than we've seen. I think if anything, Peyton Thorne has grown my confidence seeing him have a really efficient game he passed almost at 75 percent and had some things playing into his stats that were bringing him down even with the the late Hail Mary tries and everything so in this in the first half but um yeah I wouldn't put too much into it I'd love to see Jaden Reed winning one-on-ones again I'm just not sure how many one-on-ones he's going to continue to get uh that depends on how how the other teams play him and especially with Naylor still out right Right. Now, Ohio State has some exceptional cornerbacks, too, who are going to be on him first and foremost. So it's going to be tough. Um, but uh, but certainly it's it's great to see they can do what they need to against inferior competition. No offense to Maryland. Yeah. And and the last guy, you know, we'll we'll save the best for last, I guess, in terms of the season long outlook, maybe not specifically yesterday. Kenneth Walker, uh, you you've had this kind of coined term like a quiet 150 yards and two touchdowns. But that was the case. I mean, from scrimmage, about 170 some yards. Uh, when you when you take into account the couple catches he had, and he had to work for him this week. Uh, there was there was nothing coming easy. Like you said, Maryland was committing a lot of guys to stopping Kenneth Walker, and at times it worked. At times he was really bottled up and frustrated. Even like it, it was kind of the first time we saw that side of him that he was he was getting a little bit pissed that he wasn't able to find the end zone. He wasn't able to hit that corner. He wasn't able to break that tackle. And, and of course, as he does, as he's done all season long, he popped a couple plays, you know, 30 yards here, 25 yards here, and, and ends up with a nice day in the stat sheet and, and an impactful day on the field as well. You know, it wasn't just empty yards. It wasn't empty calories, but um, you know, it, it's just, it's hard to give him like too much credit now because like we've said all that needs to be said, right? Like he's really good at getting to the corner before you do. And he's really good at breaking tackles in the open field. And man, we need to find ways to get him the ball in the open field more. Like it's, it's just kind of, it's all been said for 10 games now. And uh, it's just kind of, what else is there to say? I, I don't even know at this point. It's really startling to put this in context, what he's doing. Because this offensive line at this point in the season doesn't look all that much improved from last year, especially on the ground. Um, They're not opening up big holes. They're not getting a huge push. I mean, certainly a little bit of improvement, but all, I mean, this is (laughs) as much an individual effort as you're going to see in a Heisman campaign like this from Kenneth Walker, you put him behind the lines that Derek Henry or Mark Ingram had, you know, in their Heisman seasons. And it's, it's hard to even imagine what he would be doing in those situations. I mean, it's exceptional. I don't, I honestly, I don't know how he got to 150 yards. I remember like two plays that 
really stuck out to me where he really put some yards under him and the rest felt like he was bottled up and he'd still average, you know, almost five yards of carry and over five yards of touch. Uh, but yeah, I think you're seeing a little bit, in my opinion, I think you're seeing a little bit of the pressure getting to him of this Heisman thing. I think he's putting a little bit of pressure on himself to put up big days and he's on a couple carries. It, he just looks a little bit less patient with reading the defense, especially when he got close to the goal line and he knew there was a touchdown kind of at his fingertips. He was hitting holes in, in running right into defenders in a way that he hadn't been in previous games where maybe he missed a cutback lane um, and just went right for the, the primary gap. Um, so I think maybe that's starting to get to him a little bit, but if the consequence is he has 170 yards and two touchdowns, you know, I think he'll take that. We'll talk a little bit maybe about where his Heisman chances stand at the end of the episode here. Um, but I want to give a quick shout out to Jay Johnson. Um, we don't talk all that much about coordinators on the pod. Uh, it's just not a conversation that comes up all the time, but I mentioned this offensive line has looked okay at times, uh, bad at times, a little bit better this season. He has been exceptional. Um, this offense is not, dripping with talent they certainly have strong skill players but i mean when you have a shaky offensive line it's tough to move the ball and we had you know just about 500 yards and ran the ball well threw the ball well we were scheming guys open kenneth walker certainly helped you know making a couple guys miss but i think jay johnson has been just an outstanding offensive coordinator he's really hiding some of the weaknesses on that side of the ball he's doing what needs to be done to get the ball in space. He understands his personnel. And, you know, when Jaden reads there, he's instructing Peyton Thorne to hit him if it's one-on-one -on -one, and Peyton Thorne's doing that as well. But I just want to give a quick shout out to him. I think he's been a very competent and it, it, if not been more than competent offensive coordinator as this season progresses. Yeah. He was in his bag yesterday, man. There was speed option. There was QB draw. There was I the, the best play, I, we ran it a couple times and it was, it was really effective. It's that you, you run the play action and then you just leak that guy coming around the opposite way on. It's like a post snap jet sweep, basically where it's just running straight along the line of scrimmage and it's so hard to defend. And it, it was, we hit Connor Hayward on the touchdown early with it. And then we hit it again with Trey Mosley. He got a, broke a tackle, got 15, 20 yards or so. And it, it ended up getting called back because Connor Hayward uh, had a block in the back penalty, but stuff like that. I mean, he, he was in his bag. It, it was, it was a really impressive game scheme game call. The one thing I, I wrote this down, like, I really hope I it's, it's working fine. I, I don't have a problem with it this year because of our personnel, but there are certain things that I hope he doesn't just put as gospel. And I, I really hope that the wildcat is just like a, we have Kenneth Walker and you guys don't, and we're going to run this because we can. I really hope we don't see wildcat next year, you know, with like Jordan Simmons back there. Like it's just, oh God, it's <laughs> that's, that's exactly my thoughts. So I think when you have a guy like Kenneth Walker, he can make anything work. So wildcat, when you just give him one more blocker rather than the quarterback, I sure. Why not give it to him um, running a flea flicker 12 times in a season. Uh, it's, it's working and it continues to work, but I, I don't think that's a sustainable long-term model for success, 
so there, there are certain things that, Hey, it's, it's working. And I give him all the credit and, and I love what he's been doing this year. There was just some things where I kind of felt like, you know, I, I hope that he doesn't think this is going to work all the time. Uh, but no yeah, credit to Jay Johnson, hell of a game plan this week, hell of a game plan really all year long. Mark my words in the next two games, or maybe if they don't get the opportunity, it'll happen in the bowl game. But before this season is over, we are going to run a wildcat pass yep. with Kenneth Walker. They, they've been setting it up. They've run it with Walker every single time. The defense has been playing downhill every single time. All it takes is Connor Hayward or, or Tyler Hunt just faking a block, leaking through behind the linebackers. Kenneth Walker, I mean, Heisman voters absolutely oh, they love it. up position <laughs> or skill players they throwing touchdowns. It. Um, it's going to happen. I think if we get the opportunity next week, you know, maybe we're struggling in the red zone, but we get the ball down there. Um, I think we're going to see that. So keep an eye out, mark my words. It's going to happen. Um, but yeah, this, this offense is, it's fun to watch. I mean, there have been games where it's struggled a little bit, but by and large, it's a lot of fun to watch. It's Jay Johnson's creation. Mel Tucker is not an offensive guy. Um, and, and he's done an exceptional job. So hopefully we'll see that next week. We're absolutely going to need every gadget play he's got. Um, so yeah. Yeah. The, the last thing here, before we get to our game ball and, and player play of the week, uh, the week of the game is very important to this podcast is special teams. It's part of our ethos. It's, it's in the Twitter bio special teams matters. And we have to give a shout out to Bryce Berenger and like the, the, the comment going around is like, wow, another bomb by Bryce Berenger, another bomb. It's just kind of a stale word for me. I don't know. I was trying to think of something a little bit better and it, it came to me almost immediately. Scott, have you ever heard of pumpkin chunkin? I like the pumpkin cannons. Yes. So this was something actually I've direct experience with my dad, uh, has entered into this competition and for those who don't know it's it's actually very seasonal right now in in the fall and uh it basically it started with these like trebuchets and people would build a trebuchet and just try to chuck a pumpkin as far as they possibly can and it developed into people building these like high pressured air cannons that could shoot a pumpkin like a mile and it's it's really entertaining to watch if you just type in on youtube like pumpkin chucking it's it's fantastic but that that was kind of what came to mind like bryce berenger is out here just chunking pumpkins and it is the first punt went what 66 68 yards or something just launched that thing and then the, my favorite was the second punt where the punt returner did not adjust his spot whatsoever. Just for some reason thought, well, he's not going to do that again. And once again, just launched it 20 yards over his head. Uh, it, it was just, this kid is out here. It's, it's a tough year to be a punter when you're looking at like individual accolades, because I, I saw this for the Ray guy award, the national punter of the year. There are 10 semifinalists five are from the big 10. Like it's, it's just, it happens to be an amazing year for big 10 punters. And then on top of that, you got this kid at San Diego state. If nobody's been paying attention, he's, he's had multiple 80 yard punts this year. It's insane, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a tough year for individual accolades. So he's not going to win any big 10 punter of the year. First, second team. 
but I hope we don't forget him because he's had an incredible season. And on the opposite side of the special teams, this kicking thing, whatever's going on here is scaring the hell out of me. I, I just have to get that off my chest here. I don't know exactly what's happening. I don't know exactly what the injuries are, but I am terrified every time somebody lines up to kick a, a field goal or an extra point. Yeah. I mean, Matt Coughlin was clearly uncomfortable. He came back in to kick some extra points yesterday. And the second one, I think he kicked, he was kind of limping off the field. He's clearly nursing something and it's definitely holding him back. If an extra point makes him that uncomfortable, but the Steven Rusnak kid, Steven Shane, and this Rusnak kid is just clearly not <laughs> there yet. Um, he, yeah. I mean, he missed his first extra point. We took him off the field. You just can't be giving up points on, on those opportunities. But if we are in a situation where we got to kick a long field goal and there's something on the line, I'm closing my eyes because oh, it's, yeah. we have a situation at the end of the day, we have a kicking situation. I don't know how they're going to fix it. Um, you'd think a scholarship kicker would be able to make extra points. Um, but if you can't, you really got no business being out there. So yeah, and I know we got a pretty, we got a pretty highly touted kid coming in next year. Uh, I would also, I, I would think that Mel Tucker and the staff are going to keep an eye on the transfer portal for a kicker as well, because once Coglin is gone, if this is the future, like I look nothing against this kid, he's young and it's a tough spot to be in as a freshman kicker who just did not expect to have to play at all this year. You don't expect the kicker to get hurt. That's just, that's the reality. When you're a backup kicker, you're thinking, okay, maybe next year. Uh, I don't think he expected to be in this year. I don't think he was ready to be in this year and he's in a tough spot, but I I'll just say it. If this is the future, I, I am very worried. So hopefully we, we figure something out for 2022. That's another discussion, but and it's, not it's, only for, like you said, it's a situation, not only for points kicks, but for kickoffs. I mean, yeah. Rusnak kicks eight kickoffs yesterday and two were touchbacks Coglin was pretty consistently kicking touchbacks unless there was wind or some other scenario forcing him to kick it shorter um and we're losing that ability and again that's a big deal yeah I mean when you go into two weeks we got Jahan Dotson returning kicks against us next week you've got Ohio State who it doesn't really matter who goes back there I'm <laughs> sure they're going to be talented and Ohio State's always been one of those teams that has a knack for big special teams plays um so it's something to keep an eye on something to hold your breath about um and hopefully we won't be in a situation where we have to kick a, a long high pressure field goal also keep an eye on those fourth down situations some of the more analytically focused teams have been starting to use fourth and even longer fourth and four fourth and five if you're in plus territory as opportunities to go for it does michigan state start to lean into that with a little bit less confidence in their kicking game um i don't know we'll see but something to keep an eye on like i said yeah so let's get to game ball player the play of the game we'll start with the play of the game because i don't know exactly where i'm going to go with it yet I have a couple ideas in my head, so I'm going to kick it to you for that. Play the game Saturday afternoon, late afternoon, early evening uh, against Maryland. Your play of the game was? So my criteria for play of the game is obviously it has to be a great individual play. It has to also have implications in the result of the game. Those are the two things I'm looking at. So for me, it's the first touchdown we scored, the flea flicker, the Jay Johnson special. Um, Montori Foster ran a great route on the release. 
Again, I don't know how we continue to beat them. Peyton Thorne, you could tell he put a little extra into this one. It wasn't one of those lobs where he just kind of drops a teardrop over the shoulder. He heaved this thing. He stepped into it and put his shoulder behind it. It was right on the money. Foster made sure he secured it and got into the end zone. And like I said earlier, it set us off on the right foot for the rest of the game. That's why I think it's so important. This is a game where if you struggle a little bit, Maryland maybe gets on the board first. You just get a little thought in the back of your head that can kind of manifest into a bad situation. We didn't let that happen. Get on the board early. Monster flea flicker. Great to see Foster get involved. 50 plus yard touchdown. Great throw. Just all around great play. Uh, That's my play of the game. Yeah, I I think that's a that's a really good call. It's it's another flea flicker, like you said, which is just hilarious. Um, I'll go with less of a you know impactful to the game score, but just the one that I came out of that game like wow was the back shoulder uh, for for Jaden Reed. It was in the second quarter, I'm pretty sure, and it was it was a throw that that Peyton Thorne and Jaden Reed have connected on this back shoulder throw over and over and over again all season long, but specifically in this game as well. And it was just one where, where Jaden Reed had to adjust a little bit more to it than I think he was comfortable with ended up coming down with, like I said earlier, just an NFL catch. That's, that's a catch that NFL scouts see and are, are really impressed by. So when we talk about the possibility, could this guy leave early, you know, all of that, um, that's a catch he's going to put on the highlight reel, no doubt about it. And if you watch the game, you know, which one I'm talking about, Uh, Just a really well-controlled, athletic, uh, just dialed-in play uh, by Jaden Reed there on that back shoulder. Again, just a hell of a game in general, but but that play was was pretty special. Yeah, so, I I mean, I love that one. He's made a couple catches like that this year, and like we said earlier, NFL catches. I mean, to be able to adjust your body, get your man off of you, get to the ball, bring it in, fingertip catch, strong hands, it's all there. Um, so game ball though, a little bit different Avenue here. I got to keep it on the offense. We mentioned the defensive side. Maybe there wasn't anyone that really had an exceptional game. The defense as a whole played pretty well, but I'm going to stay on the offensive side, go with our guy, Peyton Thorne, um, his most efficient game of the year, highest completion percent of the year, highest yards per attempt of the year. Um, great game. And he had four touchdowns as one interception. I'm more than willing to completely ignore. Um, it was a hail Mary. Can't hold that against the quarterback and his highest passer rating since the Youngstown state game. So yeah. Uh, great to see him get a confidence build building game going into our toughest couple of opponents of the year. Uh, he seems to have kind of, um, I don't know. He wasn't trending necessarily in a bad direction, but had kind of taken a step back into more of a game manager, make some plays. And he didn't have a good game against Michigan. He didn't have a good game against Indiana. His game against Purdue was okay, but at the end of the day, wasn't really enough to, to get the job done. He writes the ship here going into, like I said, some tough matchups. He looked exceptional. He looked sharp. Um, He got us a big lead early and uh and really just continues to to look like a guy to build your program around uh going forward yeah i I think peyton thorne's a great call i'll go with the receiving end of that i'll stick the same boat here i'll go Jaden reed i thought he had maybe the game of the season for him he's had a couple really good ones especially earlier this year 
but eight catches, 114 yards, two touchdowns, seven out of those eight catches went for either a touchdown or a first down. He had a couple of them on third down. It was a lot of man-to-man coverage where he was just beating the guy in front of him. It wasn't finding the soft spot in the zone. It was beating your guy with a good route, beating your guy with a good catch, and oftentimes getting a little bit more on top of that with the yards after the catch. He, he showed the whole complete well-rounded game. It was, it was good route running. Like I said, there was the, the early touchdown where we were just, we were on the doorstep and he basically just, uh, you know, beat boxed out his man that the commentator, I think it was Brock Heward. He mentioned like, you know, that's something that guys who are six foot one eighty or whatever Jaden Reed is, they, they're not supposed to be able to do. You're not supposed to be able to like, strong arm the defensive back and box him out for for position for that touchdown um that was in the third quarter i believe first quarter just you know that little slot fade that him and him and peyton thorne have run a bunch uh, that he just beats the guy and and again dropped in the bucket by peyton thorne credit to him but yeah Jaden reed it seems like every time we need him on third down every time we're in the red zone every time we're in crucial positions Jaden reed's getting the ball and he's usually making a good play again, uh, seven out of his eight catches went for first downs or touchdowns. So I, I got to give it to Jaden Reed here for, uh, we kind of called for a pregame too. We were previewing this game. It was like, you know, Jaden Reed, he's, he's been really good and steady all year, but the last couple of weeks, we just haven't seen that breakout Jaden Reed performance. He's back. Uh, he, he had one of those there on Saturday and I'll, I'll give him credit for it. Yeah, I think if you could find the total yards run with the ball, like in any direction <laughs> this year, Jaden Reed might lead the nation. He loves those yards after catch where he'll get the ball, he'll make his guy miss on the first tackle attempt, and then just head straight sideways across yep. the field <laughs> and make like four more guys miss, but only maybe get like two yards out of it. Um, no, I mean, he's he's an electric player. It's great to see him just like Peyton Thorne starting to, to turn the corner again and, and put up big numbers heading into the, the home stretch on this season. Uh, speaking of the home stretch, Kevin, before we get off um, the Heisman race is going Bryce young tore up a garbage opponent this week. Uh, Matt Corral didn't have a great productive week. CJ Stroud looked like his usual self against Purdue. Um, how you feeling? What do you think it's going to take in these last couple weeks uh, for Kenneth Walker to really put himself in position to maybe get some of those first place votes and, and, and take a run at winning this thing? Yeah. Um, I will say the, the commentary on Bryce Young's day was a little alarming. You know, like you said, he had five touchdowns against New Mexico state in November. Uh, but the, the media coverage on it was, man, he really boosted his Heisman resume. And it was like, you, you can't boost a Heisman resume against New Mexico state in November. But if, if that's going to be the dialogue, if that's going to be the narrative, um, you know, it's just, it is what it is. That's going to be tough to beat. But I mean, Kenneth Walker's sitting right now, 1700 yards, 17 touchdowns with a couple games to play. And two of the three biggest games on the season left to play. And, you know, there, there was uh there's a comment here. I'm, I was reading an article earlier. Uh, somebody posted, I think it was sporting news. And they were, they were mentioning when Ron Dane won the Heisman in 99, the Wisconsin running back, 
the signature moment was a 160 yard four touchdown performance in a victory against the Buckeyes in the horseshoe. So if, if Kenneth Walker really wants to, to, you know, make a statement here, this weekend will be a damn good time to do it, especially directly against CJ Stroud, the Ohio state quarterback, obviously they're not directly competing against each other with both guys being on offense, but um, no, I, th- I think right now it's coming down to Bryce Young, uh, CJ Stroud and Kenneth Walker. I think Matt Corral is just kind of, he, he doesn't have the special, special stats it would take. Um, and, and I think it's, it's, it's an uphill climb for sure. But like I said, two huge primetime games ahead of him game days in Columbus next weekend. If he puts a 200 yard three touchdown performance out there and, and we maybe not even win, but keep it really close. I, you know, Hey, who knows, but it's, it's going to take a really good performance on Saturday. Yeah, I think you nailed it. I mean, this weekend felt like a kind of a bare minimum kind of game to, to keep him on track to be in the conversation, but it's not, it's not one you're going to put all over his tape. It was a good weekend. It was a great weekend for any player. It was a good weekend for a Heisman contender to, to stay in there. Um, but he needs to really put it, put an exclamation mark on the season. I think this is the stage Bryce Young is going to have his stage against Georgia in the sec championship game. Likely he's going to have his opportunity there and we're going to see what he can do against the best defense in the country. Um, Kenneth Walker's opportunity is right now. Um, I don't know if we'll be in the, S- the big 10 championship. We certainly won't be in the sec championship. Um, but his stage is now, he's got to put up the numbers here. I think the staff will do what they can to scheme it into it. But if we get down early, it's going to be interesting to see how that game script works out and see how we're going to get the ball into his hands. Um, it's going to be an interesting storyline to watch. Obviously, we'll preview it on Wednesday of this week. We'll get to all that. We'll leave it there for now. Kevin, any last thoughts? No, just uh, like I said earlier, subscribe if you haven't already. Share it with a friend if you haven't already. And and we really appreciate the continued support as, as we're troop on through the season two regular season games left one more after uh after the bowl game at least three games hey who knows maybe four or five uh at least three games left in this season make sure you're sharing with as many spartans as you can soak up every moment of this season we we don't have a whole lot remaining which is sad to say but uh that's that's the the game we play so Until Wednesday, when we are here to preview the Ohio State uh, game day matchup here, a huge one coming up this weekend. Until then, hope everybody has a good start to your work week or student week, or I don't know who's listening, retired, maybe you're retired and you're just chilling. I don't know. Uh, I hope you have a good start to your week and we will see you Wednesday. Go green. Go white. Take care, folks.